Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today on Aim Higher, we have a very special guest, Andy Havens. Andy is a marketing communications professional with, I'd say, decades of experience in this area. He is a really creative mind. He has worked at OCLC for a number of years, other companies. He's also an adjunct professor at CCAD and really is just a very, very interesting creative person. But in particular, what got my attention about your creativity, Andy, was that you created literally a parallel universe with this incredible, creative, innovative fantasy slash adventure I don't know how to describe it, called The Sideways. Yeah, the term, the sort of industry term for it is an urban fantasy, which means yes, magic, no elves. So it's (laughs) as opposed to high fantasy, which is what Tolkien is. So yeah, it's a trilogy, and uh, I've read fantasy my whole life and wanted to do something to sort of put back into that space. And rather than go with a magic system or a, a situation that was came out of folklore or mythology, which I studied in school, you know, or any of the kind of, and I, I don't mean tropes in a bad way, but I mean the sort of standard stuff. I wanted to start from scratch because I had very specific things I wanted to do with the fantasy and as a metaphor in both, and, and as a, an element of the action and of the, of the character building. And I realized I had to start, as you say, from scratch. I had to not take anything from the past literature. Well, it is a demonstrable example of creativity at its finest, and you're creative in everything that you do. So your work is creative. You're a creative spirit. I find it interesting that working at a company, working in an organization, the creative day-to-day that comes from that, but that you found the time and inclination to pursue this and or it pursued you sure. in some ways. Sure. And it's almost like it just had to come out of you. You know, as an artist, there's that old quote, right? Did you feel right. that way? I did. And it's it's interesting. I, I mean, my degree is in writing. And what I do as, as a marketing person also involves many of the same processes. And so what has been interesting to me going from a, you know, being a younger person to an older person is to see how many parallels there are between writing fiction or poetry and doing writing during the day work, during you know, doing, doing the marketing stuff. And so in a way, I partly do it because, like you say, there's stories that I feel need to come out. But I also do it because both aspects of my life, both types of creativity, inform the others. And so it's a way, you know, when people talk about doing stretch stuff at work, writing fiction makes me a better marketing person. Couldn't agree with you more. And I think more people should lean in to hobbies, to other projects, to other ideas, because it comes back. You know, one of the things that I use all the time, just interviewing people, I learn subjects at a deeper level than I would if I would just simply read the book or hear somebody talk. Sure. And I think that you're a great example of that. Well, years ago, I introduced or interviewed Jonah Lair. He wrote a book on creativity and I interviewed him on creativity. And after the book was released, we found out that actually he had plagiarized and invented invented the research in much of the book. Well, that's troubling. So it was pulled by the publisher from the shelves, but it was a wonderful book, actually. 
even though well. it was all made up. But anyway, I then was interviewing my friend Ari Weinswick. He is the entrepreneur behind Zingerman's, which is an amazing mm-hmm. restaurant and deli and conglomerate, really, up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And, and he was talking about Jonah. And I said, well, you know, he had this problem, whatever. And he said, yes. Isn't that great? I said, what do you mean? He said, he was so creative. Look how creative he was. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get to the Andy Haven's definition of creativity. What is that? It's interesting because I think there are lots of different types of creativity. And so I think nailing it down is sort of one definition, but I, but there's a description. And I go back to a conversation I had with a, a friend of mine years ago about art. And we were talking about what counts as art. I mean, is, is this, you know, we, and we, and we don't have to get into the specifics, but you know, Certain things you look at and go, well, that's clearly art, and other things are on the on kind of a in the middle there. What we sort of came to between the two of us is that art requires an element of craft, meaning skill of some kind, but it also requires something to be a little surprising. So the way I think about it is if I made you a piece of furniture or a kitchenware or something, and it worked perfectly well, you'd be pleased with that, and you might say, well, that's a great example of craft. You have built me a great table. But if it didn't do anything new, if it didn't give you something else that you hadn't seen before, maybe not art. And on the flip side, if I just dumped a big bag full of leaves and bird feathers and loose change and gum wrappers on your floor, you might be surprised. But there's not really any craft involved there. There's no skill. And so I think there's some meeting of those two things that is what I would consider sort of how we think about creativity helpfully. Meeting of garbage and... <laughs> exactly right. It's, it's, it, but if you can put the garbage and the utility together, exactly right. So, Andy, some people will say, I just wasn't born creative. Mm-hmm. I have no innovation gene. I can't do this, whatever. Do you believe that? Are some people just not creative? I don't think so. And I think that we have a problem with how we define creativity, not just in this country, but in general. And when people are often told they're not creative as a young person, especially, that makes me angry. Because usually what we mean is you're not a fine artist or a musician or a poet or an author or one of these sort of creative categories of, of, of job. And, I mean, I go to my mom as an example. She's got two master's degrees, one in economics, uh, home economics, excuse me, and one in divinity. And so she taught home economics at Simmons. And she has written sermons and she has done teaching, you know, her whole life. Incredibly creative person. But because when she was young, she was not an artist, it was drilled into her that she wasn't creative. And I think that can, can hold people back incredibly. And I think everyone can be creative in lots of different ways. And, and it's important to sort of nurture that as well as respect that. So much is about label. I talk about that in my book, too. If you let somebody label you terrible, not creative, or yeah. you're not a speaker, or you can't write, it just you're not good at math, you believe these myths, it does affect you. It kind of plays back. And, and do you think on the reverse side, Andy, because you've always been known to be so creative, imaginative, that that has enhanced your creativity? I think, and this is something I've thought about a lot because I work with, because of my both my career and my avocation and vocation, I work with, quote unquote, very creative people, artists, writers, musicians, you, you, as you do as well. And I've thought for a long time, what is it that makes someone, quote unquote, more creative sort of from the get-go? And I think that the creative professions, you know, specifically art, music, one thing that's very different about how we learn those things is we break them down into a lot more granular parts. And you're a singer. So for example, I'll ask the question knowing the answer is yes. 
how many times have you rehearsed and done scales and done things that there was no way you would ever do in front of an audience? Anytime I've ever done that. Right. I mean, we, we, we <laughs> practice. Artists, the kids I teach at CCAD, you know, they practice. They do sketches. You, and the, the intention is not that eventually you'll be a master sketcher or that someone will eventually want to watch you rehearse or do scales. We do those things to get good at the craft side so that then we can figure out ways to be surprising. And I think that's baked into some of those professions where in other, in other types of jobs, it's a much more linear progress in terms of how we get better at something. That's good. So do you think that some people maybe have more genes that way or born with the proclivity to be more creative? Or is it just experience? I don't don't know. I think there's probably a bit of both. It's like, you know, they always say it's my dad used to say whether it's whether it's genetic or environmental, either way, I'm his fault. Um, (laughs) So I think that there are probably people who, like like anything, are more inclined to be open to it. I also think that one of the things we don't honor when we talk about creativity is that it's, it's often not easy. And so when people start saying, I want to do something creative, I want to be more creative, but then we don't make a space for them to do that practice, to be bad at something until you're good at it, they feel like, oh, I've failed. So like you said about having a hobby, fantastic way to be creative but a lot of people will then say, well, do you make any money at that? Which breaks my heart because that's not, that's not the that's purpose. Not, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to explore that part of yourself. So I think there are people who th- either through encouragement or possibly through genetics have an easier time dealing with that. But I think a lot of it's about education too. I mean, so again, I was in a, a program that was very much about, um, as one of my professors said, we are going to remove your ego and replace it with something useful, <laughs> which... <laughs> Again, and being creative involves making all kinds of mistakes. I like, you know, the, the, I know someone who wrote a book about that. Lots of mistakes. Um, how many mistakes were in the book? Nine. I've made ten mistakes though, yeah. so we need a sequel. The tenth mistake. The tenth. <laughs> Andy Havens, the tenth mistake. So you're super creative. You just talked about your mom and that environment. I think about my own daughter, who's just an incredible artist. She can do anything. Her digital designs and it's just it's just amazing to see how do we encourage creativity in the next generation and you're also teaching at CCID how do we encourage that i think it's actually gotten a little bit easier there's certain things you know people talk about stuff that changes over time i look back at the beginning of my career there was no internet you know and the students i was teaching about marketing it was very early stages of the internet it's much easier now to have even a very small audience. And people used to talk about, you know, you get your 15 minutes of fame. And then someone else said, I forget who it was. No, you get your 15 people of fame. There are 15 people who will love what you do. They will love everything you write, every photo you put on Facebook, every song you do on the ukulele. And they're your, they're your fan club. And that's okay. I had a, a really bleak, non-creative part of my life right after I got out of college. Because I came from an environment where I had friends. I had peers and we would go back and forth and we would share our work and then I went into the regular workforce and that was gone and I went probably at least seven years seven eight years almost completely unable to write because I didn't have someone to bounce that back off of and on the web you can find those 15 people you can you can get an audience and that little bit of feedback is so important to helping people you know stay creative yeah, that's very interesting that you can use the platforms in that positive way to develop that muscle in a exactly. way that you wouldn't elsewhere. Well, you've talked about this concept of lateral thinking mm-hmm. 
And I'd love for you just to expand on that a little bit more for the audience. What is lateral thinking? So linear thinking is what most of us are used to in terms of sort of how we get better at things and how we get from point A to point B. There's that whole joke about, or not joke, but you know, quickest way from point A to point B is a straight line. Well, that's fine, but here in Columbus, Ohio, we know that often between point A and point B, there is construction. So the question is, when you can't do that, how do you get around it? How do you understand the different points? And as a creative person, one of the exercises I tend, tend to give people is to start thinking about what's in the environment of what you're trying to accomplish that's not on that straight line. And so lateral thinking involves ways of approaching problem solving, whether that's writing a novel or a business plan or a marketing plan, that don't just take what we did before and try to do it better, faster, cheaper. Those things are great. Efficiency is fantastic. But if we can think of entirely new ways to do it that kind of wrap around and, like, say, point A to point C and then back to point B, that's sort of the basics of, you know, thinking about lateral thinking. I like that. I want to link two words that people often associate and see your reaction to whether or not they are the same, similar, what's the difference? And that is creativity and innovation. That's interesting. I think innovation, I think they're very similar. But I would say that to me, innovation implies that there is a sort of a concrete goal. There's like, like we innovate in order to solve a problem. We innovate in order to do something. It feels external a little bit more maybe. Whereas creativity to me, I mean, a lot of the things I've done that are, that are creative, I don't share with anyone, but they still inform what I do. I don't think I'd ever describe any of those things as innovative because I'm not pushing a boundary. I'm exploring a space. Ooh, wait, that's good. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's good. You, with that world that you're talking about inside, I've often wondered as I talk to you, that inner world must be something else, Andy. It's actually kind of, uh, it's gotten more peaceful as I've gotten older, but it's, uh, there's a clown college upstairs sometimes for sure. They make a lot of noise at night. Why is it that that is so easy to picture and hear for me? <laughs> it is absolutely true. So you've talked about various ways to get better at that creative muscle. What other ways would you add to some of the things you've been sharing? I think one of the things that uh, when I've talked about creativity being that balance of craft and art, that also uh, I talk about it being a balance of chaos and order. And so a lot of times when people are within a, a space where they're thinking, I need to come up with a creative idea, I need to get out of you know, the box, I challenge people to take one aspect of whatever it is they're working on and get chaotic with it. So it's like thinking about just one part of the, we talk about getting out of the box. Think about one part of the box and abandon it and go absolutely wild, but then keep coming back to the box. Because usually, as you know, like we said, you can't just dump a bag of garbage on the floor. There needs to be a resolution. And so one of my favorite exercises we did in, in college for writing poetry was write the names of well-known songs on one type of post-it note. Pink post-it notes get name of songs. Theme song to Gilligan's Island. Any Beatles song you can think of. James Taylor. And then on yellow post-it notes, write any concept. It could be... You dated yourself with I know, those examples. I know, I know exactly. Maybe even post-it notes dates me. <laughs> the Love Boat theme. So you've got song titles on one card and co any concept on another. It could be walking your dog. It could be being depressed on Monday. It could be primitive communism. You mix them up in the middle. Everybody takes one of each, and you have two minutes to rewrite that song on that topic. And then you stop, and you switch just the concept cards, and I rewrite the same song with a different concept. And when you've done that three times, you realize you've unhitched something in your brain that was keeping those things separate. 
And by doing that again and again and again, and it's, it's obviously it's ridiculous. I mean, no one wants a song about primitive communism to the tune of Gilligan's Island. But it's practicing that muscle of bringing together the maybe the absurd even and the chaotic with that thing that is known, with that, with that song you already know the, 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 the song to very well. And it helps. You can see as you play it, when you start, the first time you do that with people, they're really uncomfortable and it takes a little while longer. By the time you get to about the third or the fourth, people are laughing. They're having a good time and they've unlocked that ability to think laterally about that particular challenge. I love that. And I'm also picturing in today's world now, if somebody would just put that challenge to chat GPT and see what it spits <laughs> out. I don't think it would be too hard for chat GPT to write a song about primitive communism to the tune of Gilligan. No, Island. I think that, they would, it would spit it, it out in it right seconds. Out. Yes. Yeah. So that's interesting. Of course, if you could ever get on. So, you know, Andy, most people we know, you think about the brain, you think about people and their potential, use only a fraction of their potential, use only a fraction of their potential creative ability. And what do you say to the person who says, you know, I just don't think it's that important to be creative. I don't think it matters at all. Is it? Again, I think, I mean, I'm not going to tell everybody you've got to go out there and be a creative person. I think. Come on, Andy, this is your chance. This is my chance. You need to be more creative, America. Get out there and do it. I think that, again, because of how we've positioned creativity in this country and because we've sort of narrowed the scope of what it is, you'll find that a lot of people that say, I'm not creative and I don't care about it, are doing something that's creative. They're, I'm not a painter, so therefore... Right, right, exactly. No, but you find out that they're a master gardener, you know, or that they work to help at a dog shelter and are coming up with new ways to get dogs uh, into people's homes and things. Uh, what I will tell people, though, is that if you work on it, if you spend a little time, if you pick something... That again, whether it's a hobby or something else, and learn the process in a way that's thoughtful about how you're getting better at that, and then think about that process and apply it to other things in your life. What you'll find is that the creative, that breaking things down, that lateral thinking, that balancing order and chaos, you can then bring that into other parts of your life, and it's super helpful. And that's again one of the things I'm very grateful for in my career is that my job has led me to these situations where that's what I get to do for a living. I get to balance out, okay, here are the topics we need to cover, but how? Or we have this particular event or this particular time slot, and we've got a half an hour, we've got to fill it. These are the people who are going to be there. How do those fit together in a way that balances out that sort of randomness and order in a way that is surprising and hopefully delightful? I love that. I'm thinking about career and the different ability that you have when you write these books. I know you write other things as well. And what that does for your career and linking that back together as you started. But I want to just pause for a moment and talk about the sideways. Okay. And it's so creative. It pulls you right in. It's written so well. And it surprises you as, as it goes and unfolds. So I just want everyone to hear because you're so creative Tell us a little bit about that plot. What's involved so that people listening get a sense of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the sideways, the sideways and how creative this is. So if you were to say, what is the commercial that would say, explain the sideways, what would you say? Sure. Hmm. I haven't rehearsed the elevator speech in a while, but it goes something like this, that Kendra White, the young woman, 15 years old, who has been suffering from what she believes is a kind of mental health issue and goes through the world uh, as well as she can. And what she discovers is that she doesn't really have this problem. It's that the drugs she's been on have been 
keeping her from understanding that she's actually part of a world that lives in parallel to ours where magic is real, essentially. And she slowly gets introduced to this world and then gets dumped full into it. And so she's trying to navigate a world. It's, it's almost as if you and I had been blind since birth and then all of a sudden somebody snapped their fingers and, and gave us sight. What would that be like? So she's now got access to some, some abilities she didn't have before, but now she's also part of this other world and there are sort of sections within that world that are called the domains. And How many domains there are, are there? There are seven, thank you. And one of the reasons I wrote the book the way I did was because, as I said, the magic system in a lot of, in a lot of especially stuff related to folklore and mythology is just kind of, it's just kind of taken at face value. It's just these, these types of creatures can do magic, these can't. This is where the magic is buried. If you wear this ring this way, it'll be a spell, you know. And the magic in the sideways is all based on the perception and the values of the different domains. So the two that I often give as an example that are easiest is there's the domain of sight, and people in that domain are like the librarians that we love so much. They're interested in learning and knowledge and preserving that and observation. So whenever they go into a new situation, that's their viewpoint. Now you get the domain of chaos. Those are people whose the most interesting thing for them about the world is that anything can happen. Now, I'll ask you, are either of those things wrong? No. No. I mean, and we might in our own lives have nights where one is more important than the other. But in this book, the people who are focused on those areas are able to do extraordinary things. And they kind of hang together. And there's a whole set of laws related to that and a, a set of you know customs and traditions going back 10,000 years. And there is a war brewing. And Kendra sort of wanders onto this battlefield as a pawn who doesn't even know that she's in the game. And she has to find out pretty quickly where her space in this world is and which domain should she align with or any. And are these people friends? Are they not? You know, so that's the whole little bit of a growing growing up story, a little as we call it in the library industry, a Bildungsroman, which is a, you know, growing up story. And um, also just a great adventure story about this, again, this war for control of magic. Well, the war for control of magic and the war for control of Andy's brain, I think, are <laughs> continuing to rage. But I hope that everyone got a sense of why I asked Andy to talk about creativity in general, because he's an incredibly creative individual who has used those talents in a variety of ways, both professionally and in in this book series, which is really, really well done. So thank congratulations that. on that. And thank you for joining us and talking about creativity. Thank you, Skip. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.